Welcome to the teaching ministry of The Cause Church. We pray you will be encouraged, challenged, and blessed as you listen to the Word of God. So John has been teaching a series on the fear of God. Have you guys learned something? I sure have, it's been amazing. Well, today I'm gonna continue um, on that vein and talk about the fear of God with the aspect of holiness. So last service, um, I think you could hear a pin drop in the room and uh, we'll see how it goes this service, but we're gonna open up our Bibles and read a lot of scripture today. If you're ready to get into the word, say amen. 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 So I'm gonna pray and then we're gonna start in um, Isaiah 6. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for our time together here today at church. Father, I pray that as your word goes forth today, that I would decrease, that you would increase, Lord, that your word would go forth with power and with authority, Lord, that it would cut down to the deepest parts of our soul and our spirit, Lord God, that it would bring healing, it would bring revelation. Lord God, we thank you that you are holy, that you are just, that you are mighty, that you are loving. We thank you for Jesus. We thank you for the sacrifice that he made so that we could have freedom, so that we could have a relationship with you. We love you, Lord. We honor you. We give you all glory. In your name today we pray, amen. Amen. So here is God's holiness defined. The root word of holy comes from a Hebrew word, kadash, which means to cut or to separate. It means to be in a class all of your own, distinct from anything that has ever existed or that will exist. Kadash means a second thing, to be entirely morally pure, all the time and in every way possible. When you put these two elements of holiness together, you're left with only one conclusion, that the Lord of hosts is the sum and definition of what it means to be holy. He occupies a moral space that no one has ever occupied before, and as such, we have no experience or frame of reference to understand what he is like because there is nothing like him in the universe. Exodus 15, 11 asks, who is like you, O Lord, among the gods? Who is like you, majestic in holiness, awesome in glorious deeds, doing wonders? 1 Samuel 2, 2 declares, there is none like the holy Lord, for there is none beside you. There is no rock like our God. God's holiness is not an aspect of who he is or what he does. God's holiness is the very essence of who he is. If you were to ask, How is the holiness of God revealed? The only right answer would be, in everything he does. Everything God thinks, desires, speaks, and does is utterly holy in every way. God is holy in every attribute and every action. He is holy in justice, he is holy in love, he is holy in mercy, he is holy in power, he is holy in sovereignty, he is holy in wisdom, he is holy in patience, he is holy in anger, he is holy in grace, he is holy in faithfulness, he is holy in compassion, he is even holy in his holiness. And the doctrine of the holiness of God sits at the very center of the grand narrative of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Without the holiness of God, there would be no moral law to which every human being is responsible. Without the holiness of God, there would be no divine anger with sin. Without the holiness of God, there would be no perfect son sent as an acceptable sacrifice for our sin. Without the holiness of God, there would have been no vindication of the resurrection. Without the holiness of God, there would be no final defeat of Satan. 
without the holiness of God. There would be no hope of a new heaven and earth where holiness will reign over us and in us forever and ever, amen. Holiness is important. So here is man's response to God's holiness in scripture. Now, if you look at the Bible, there is a pattern to how human beings responded to the presence of God. It seems that the more righteous a person was, the more they trembled when he entered into the presence of an immaculate holy God. When Habakkuk saw the sin and injustices that were sweeping across his homeland, he was so offended that he went up to his watchtower and he complained against God and said, God, you are so holy that you can't even behold iniquity. How can you stand by and let all these things come to pass? How many of us have asked God that same question? He said, I'm gonna sit up here and I'm gonna wait until God answers my question. Well, guess what? God did appear to him and God did answer his question. And how did Habakkuk respond? He said, my lips quivered, my body trembled, and rottenness entered my bones. When God showed himself to Job, Job said, I abhor myself. I repent in dust and ashes. I have spoken once, I will speak no more. I will take my hand and put it upon my mouth. Every human being in the Bible who was exposed to the holiness of God trembled in his presence. That was no less true of the prophet Isaiah. So if you have your Bibles, turn to Isaiah chapter six. We're gonna start at verse one. At the moment of his calling into ministry, Isaiah had a vision of God's holiness, which left him in awe of the fear of God. It says, in the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord seated on a throne, high and exalted, and the train of his robe filled the temple. Above him were the seraphim, each with six wings. With two wings they covered their faces, with two they covered their feet, and with two they were flying and they were calling to one another, holy, holy, holy is the Lord Almighty. The whole earth is full of his glory. At the sound of their voices, the doorposts and thresholds shook and the temple was filled with smoke. Woe to me, I cried, I am ruined, for I am a man with unclean lips and I live among a people of unclean lips and my eyes have seen the King, the Lord Almighty. So there's a couple things to point out here. There is only one attribute of God, say one, one, that is ever raised to the third degree of repetition in scripture. There is only one characteristic of the almighty God, say one, one. that is communicated in the highest degree from the mouths of angels, where the Bible doesn't simply say that God is holy or even that he is holy, holy, but that he is holy, holy, holy. The Bible doesn't say that God is mercy, 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 or love, 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 or justice, 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 or wrath, 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 but he is holy, holy, holy. This is a dimension of God that consumes his very essence, and when it is manifest to Isaiah, we read that at the sound of the voice of the seraphim, the doorposts, the thresholds of the temple itself shook and began to tremble. Did you catch that? Inanimate, lifeless, unintelligible parts of creation, the very building, in the presence of the manifestation of the holiness of God, had the good sense to be moved. How then can we, made in his image, be indifferent or apathetic to his majesty? Imagine if the holiness of God showed up in a tangible way right now and the very steps that I'm standing on started to shake. 
God alone is holy, and what I want to do today is to describe how encountering God in his holiness will help you to see him and yourself for who you truly are. So let's stop for a moment and pray. Holy God, right now, as a church, we ask that the eyes of our heart would be opened, and that right now, somehow, every person in the room would get a little glimpse of the mind-blowing grandeur of your holiness. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. When applied to everything outside of God, whatever is holy is set apart unto God and for God. The word sanctify means to set apart for a special use or purpose. God sanctified the seventh day of creation, the Sabbath, setting it apart from all other days as one in which his people were to rest in him. That's why the Sabbath is called holy throughout the Old Testament. God separated it, he set it apart. In Exodus 3, 5, the ground on which Moses stood in front of the burning bush was called holy because the presence of God sanctified it, set it apart from all the other ground. So to say that God is holy is to identify his position as set apart. 1 Peter 1, 15 to 16 says, but just as he who called you is holy, so be holy in all you do. For it is written, be holy because I am holy. God calls us to holiness because he calls us to himself and his nature is holy. Because his nature is holy, we must be holy like him. We must be set apart from sin. Holiness is not an attribute that is reserved for pastors or for leaders or for super Christians. It is available for every single believer, no matter how short or how long you have been saved. Let's look at Isaiah 6 again. The first thing Isaiah does when he's set apart to encounter the holiness of God is to cry out in terror. The New King James records his word as, words as, woe is me for I am undone. There's a reason why Isaiah uses the word woe. It's not like whoa, like cool. That's not what we're saying here. In the Old Testament, a prophet was a person anointed by God to be his spokesman. It was the task of the priest to speak to God on behalf of the people, but it was the task of the prophet to speak to the people on behalf of God. So when the prophet uttered his message to people, he wouldn't begin his statement by saying, Oh, hey, Israel, in my humble opinion, this is what God says. Or they wouldn't say, oh, hey, folks, I think that perhaps this may be the case with you. No. When the prophets gave their message, they started by saying, thus saith the Lord, because they understood that they were God's vessels of divine announcement. Do you see what happens here in Isaiah 6? Isaiah, the prophet of God, who is called, who is set apart, whose words are the very words of God placed in his mouth, the first thing that he pronounces when he comes into the holiness of God is an oracle of doom upon himself. Woe is me. As soon as Isaiah sees the unveiled holiness of God for the first time in his life, he understands who God is. And that very second that Isaiah understood who God is, for the very first time in his life, he understood who he was, a sinful man. And what came out of his mouth was something akin to a primordial scream where he curses himself, woe to me, for I am undone. This is the response when we come into the presence of a holy God. 
R.C. Sproul says, if we look at what's happening here through the glasses of modern psychoanalysis, we could describe this experience that Isaiah relates as an experience of psychological disintegration. That is disintegration. When a person is healthy, we say they're whole, correct? They have everything together. When someone is losing it, what do we say? He's falling apart. And here is the man Isaiah, who at the time possesses the most integrity of all the people in Israel, who gets one glimpse of the holiness of God, and he immediately suffers disintegration. He falls apart. That's what happens to people who catch a glimpse of the character of God. Our natural inclination is to hide our sinful selves from him because we know instinctively that as soon as the holy appears, it reveals anything and anyone who is not by virtue of that standard as well. In July of 2002, um, I'd only been saved for um, several months and John and a group of us um, we flew to the other side of the world to go to um, a big conference. Um, I'd actually um, not grown up in church. I went to kind of some weird churches here and there, but I had no idea really what the capital C church looked like. So at this conference, we were in this stadium and there was tens of thousands of people, Christians there, worshiping the Lord, hearing amazing preaching. I'd never seen anything like it in my life. My mind was completely blown. I didn't know that the church of God could be that magnificent and that beautiful. Well, when we got home from that trip, um, I remember going into my room and collapsing on my bed and crying because the whole time we were there, you could feel the presence of the God so heavy in the room, but I, I just had this inkling that there was more, that there was something that I was missing, that there was something of God that I was so desperate and hungry for, I didn't even know what it was. But I collapsed on my bed and I just said, Lord, if there's anything else, that you want from me. If there's any other part of you that I need to know that is real, I want, I want it. I want everything. I want all of you. Immediately after I prayed that prayer, my room was filled with a light so bright, I literally thought that I was going to die. I remember crouching in a ball on my bed, putting my hands over my face, and crying and thinking I'm going to die because God has shown me part of himself. At that same time, I heard the loudest but most beautiful singing that I had ever heard in my entire life. The angelic hosts who were praising the Lord and telling him that he was holy, holy, holy. It takes me longer to describe this than I think how it actually happened, but moments later, the vision stopped. I was left in my room breathless, but so excited and so thankful to the Lord that he gave me a glimpse of his holiness. And you know what I felt in that moment? Terror awe, reverence, I felt, I felt my shame, I felt my sin, I felt my unworthiness, but I also felt his love and his grandeur and his acceptance of me as well. So when Isaiah saw pure holiness, he understood it wasn't what he was, he understood what it was that he wasn't, excuse me. He couldn't stand it. He's on his face, on his knees, prostrate, screaming out, saying, woe to me, I am undone, for I am a man of unclean lips, and I live among a people of unclean lips, and my eyes have seen the King, the Lord God Almighty. When he cries out now in his terror, he's saying, I'm undone, because I have a filthy mouth. Why his mouth? 
If you read the teachings of Jesus, one of the things that he teaches over and over again is a lesson that almost no one believes nowadays. He taught repeatedly that someday every single human being would be called before the tribunal of God, that every one of us is going to give an account before the holy creator of heaven and earth. In Matthew 12, 36, Jesus says that everyone will have to give an account on the day of judgment for every empty word they have ever spoken. Everything we've ever done, everything we've ever said, every promise we've ever made and broken will be brought up on the table. Jesus said that it's not what goes into a man's mouth that defiles a man, but it's what comes out of it. God has given us our mouths as vehicles to praise him and to express his truth. And oftentimes we use our mouths to lie, to hurt other people, to blaspheme God. We have dirty mouths. When Isaiah saw the holiness of God, his hand went instinctively to his mouth and he cried out this curse upon himself. And what did God do? How did he respond? Did he nod approvingly? Yep, you're dirty, you're filthy, you're disgusting. Did he shake his finger in him in shame? No. God saw his servant in pain and he nodded to one of the seraphim. And the seraph went over to the altar where the white hot coals were burning there in the holy place. The coals were so hot that even the angel's flesh could not come in contact with them. He had to use tongs. There's kitchen utensils in heaven. <laughs> and with these tongs, he took one of these white hot coals and he flew over to Isaiah and we read in the text that he placed this burning hot coal on his lips. Do you know how sensitive the human lips are? It's with our lips that we express one of the most intimate forms of communication, the kiss. The nerve endings of the lips are hypersensitive, and yet Isaiah has a hot coal placed right on top of his lips. And do you know what happened the instant that hot coal touched his lips? The coal cauterized his mouth to purify him, to heal him, to prepare his lips for the message that he was to give God's people. Some of you in here today are in a similar position as Isaiah on the brink of stepping into a new season, a new calling. Today I'm believing that God's holiness is going to cauterize your mouth, to purify you, to heal you, to prepare your lips for the message that God wants you to give his people, to his family, to your family, to your neighbors, to your coworkers, to your friends, in Jesus' name. Isaiah 6, 6 to 7 says, one of the seraphim flew to me with a live coal in his hand, which he had taken with tongs from the altar. And with it, he touched my mouth and said, see, this has touched your lips. Your guilt is taken away and your sin is atoned for. This burning coal somehow makes Isaiah pure. Normally, if you touch something impure, it transfers its impurity to you. That's why we wash our hands and tell our kids to wash our hands after they touch everything, right? but not here. Here's this new idea where you have this coal, this very holy and pure object, and it touches Isaiah, and it transfers its purity to him. Isaiah is not destroyed by God's holiness, he's transformed by it. Church, God doesn't want to destroy you with his holiness. He wants to transform you by it today. We see this in the New Testament as well. In Matthew 9, Jesus is touching and healing people who are impure, people with skin diseases, a woman with a chronic issue of bleeding, 
People who are dead, he touches them and they get raised to life. When he touches them, it seems that their impurity should transfer over to Jesus, but it doesn't. Jesus' purity transfers to them and it heals their bodies. Jesus is like that holy coal in Isaiah's vision. Jesus tells us that he is the human embodiment of God's own holiness and that he and his followers, you and me, are now God's temple so that through us, God's holy presence will go out into the world to bring life and healing and hope. This is why in John 7, Jesus says that we are like streams of living water flowing through him. How would you like Jesus Christ to show up today to come right here into this room, walk right in front of you where you are privately and say to you, my son, my daughter, I know about every one of your sins, but right now I wanna tell you that every sin that you've ever committed in your life is forgiven. Your guilt is taken away, all of it. You are never again have to worry about the sins you have committed against God because I am forgiving you and cleansing you this moment and forever. What would you do to give Jesus that opportunity to tell you that today? That's what God said to Isaiah. It's gone, Isaiah, all of your guilt. You don't have to speak the curses of life over yourself any longer. I'm taking it all away. Your sins are forgiven. They are atoned for. Friends, Jesus is here today. And he wants you to know that he died on the cross. He shed his precious blood for the forgiveness of all of your sins. He wants to extend his holiness, his purity, his love to you in a new and a fresh way. God speaks once more to Isaiah in this passage and says, whom shall I send and whom shall go for us? This is a very popular verse for people that wanna go into the missions field or get called into the ministry. And the first thing Isaiah says after cursing himself is, here am I, send me. And oftentimes we stop there and say, God, here, here am I, send me. But look what the price is that Isaiah paid. Notice he didn't say, here I am. That would be telling God where his geographical location was. He said, God, here am I. Here is the forgiven me. Here is the cleansed me. Here is the real me. Here is the vulnerable and now purified me. Here am I. Your coal has touched my lips. Here am I, Lord. Send me now. Church, the price of repentance is very painful. True repentance is honesty before God, and to come into the presence of a holy God is a painful thing. But when we come humbly, as Isaiah did, when we come on our face, God is ready to forgive us, to cleanse us, to purify us, and to send us. Second Corinthians 7, 1 says, therefore having these promises, beloved, let us cleanse ourselves from all filthiness of the flesh and spirit, perfecting holiness in the fear of God. Psalm 19, nine says, the fear of the Lord is clean, enduring forever. As a reminder, holiness is separation unto God, right? As Christians, 
When we repented and we asked Jesus Christ as, into our heart as our Lord and Savior, our sins were forgiven, we were washed completely clean, God buried our sins in the sea of forgetfulness and he remembers them no more. This work is complete, it is perfect and it cannot be improved upon. We did nothing to earn it and it was a gift from God. Hallelujah, thank you Lord for that. This is the work, amen, of justification. But the very moment that we received justification, the work of sanctification or holiness began. This is when what was done on the inside of us is worked out on the outside. Our new nature becomes an outward reality in the way that we live. Did you catch that? Philippians 2, 12 to 13 says, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God who works in you both to will and to do for his good pleasure. God wants us to be holy in two ways. Number one, positionally. Positional holiness is solely due to what Jesus did for us and speaks of our position in Christ. If you are a Christian in here today, you are positionally holy. It is one of the blessings of Christ's work of justification. You could never have earned this position. Ephesians 1.4 says, even before he made the world, God loved us and chose us in Christ to be holy and without fault in his eyes. On November 13, 2004, John and I entered a marriage covenant and I became Jenny Reeve. On that day, I took the position as his wife. The work was complete. Similarly, in Christ, we were made holy and clean on the day of our salvation and we will never be more holy but God also wants us to be behaviorally holy. Behavioral holiness is different. Once I became John's wife, my behavior began to align with my position. Before I was John's wife, I used to date other guys, live for my own pleasures, spend my money on myself. Not a lot, relax. But now I don't do those things any longer. My actions align with the covenant that we made together. If you're still doing those things, we'll pray for you, okay? No condemnation. This behavior has grown more mature in aligning with our covenant the longer that we've been married. Our behaviors, church, our external habits, our choices, our lifestyle, the way we live outwardly should reflect what God has done in us inwardly. Behavioral holiness Another fancy word for that, sanctification. It's worked out throughout your lifetime. Holiness is brought to maturity through the fear of the Lord, not the love of the Lord. I'm gonna say that again. Holiness is brought to maturity through the fear of the Lord, not the love of the Lord. I think that there are a lot of people in church today and in churches around the world who genuinely love Jesus, but they do not fear God. You might love Jesus, but you're living a promiscuous lifestyle. You might love Jesus, but you lie about everything. You might love Jesus, but you have secret tabs on your phone that you look at without anybody else knowing. You might love Jesus, but you binge eat to numb the pain that you're in. You might love Jesus, but you're cheating to pass that class. You might love Jesus, but your face is in front of your phone more than it's in the word. 
Today, church, it's time to change. Remember, true repentance is honesty before God, and to come into the presence of a holy God, it can be a painful thing. But when we come humbly, as Isaiah did, when we come on our face, prostrate before the Lord, God is ready to forgive us, to cleanse us, and to send us. Well, Pastor Jerry, listening to this message made me feel very uncomfortable. Well, I'll tell you what, preaching it hasn't been a real joy either. (laughs) I had to pause so many times while preparing this message over the past few days and get on my knees and repent before the Lord. At one point, I had to get on the phone and call somebody and have a really painful conversation about something that I did about 20 years ago that I'd forgotten about that the Lord said, you better get this right if you're gonna get up and preach about holiness. Heed. Listen to the voice of the Lord. I don't wanna stand up here and preach to you and tell you to do something that I haven't lived out and have done myself. Is it easy? No, it's not easy at all. Is it worth it? Absolutely, absolutely. To be able to stand before God and to know that you are purified, that you are whole, that you are clean, there's no better feeling in the entire world. And you know what? It's normal to feel uncomfortable with holiness. That's okay. Luke 5 tells us the story of Jesus asking Peter, remember he was a fisherman, to let down his nets for a catch after he'd already been fishing all night? And Peter says, all right, Jesus, well, because you said so, I'll do it. He obeyed, and what happens? Every fish in the Sea of Galilee jumps into his net, right? And what is Peter's response? He looks at Jesus and he says, Master, leave. I'm a sinner, and I can't handle this holiness. Leave me to myself. You see what happens? When the one who was holy comes into our midst, immediately we're uncomfortable. It was like me being in the room, shaking in terror. But to Peter's everlasting joy, Jesus didn't take him up on that invitation to leave. Instead, he said, Peter, come here. You come unto me. You're burdened. You're heavy laden. I am going to give you peace. We are invited, church, to come into the presence of a holy God. Yet the last thing some of us wanna do is be submitted to the unrelenting gaze of this holy God. David, after he was subjected to the scrutiny of God, said to God, O Lord, search me and know me. This is a man who committed adultery, who murdered, who went before a holy God and said, search me, know my heart, purify me, clean me out. When is the last time you honestly ask God to search your heart, to know you intimately? It's a scary thing to ask because it means that we have to be vulnerable, but it's an even scarier thing to not ask because that means we're living behind a mask, most likely in shame, and that makes us feel unwanted and unwelcome in the presence of a holy God, and that is not his will for us, church. I'm here today to tell you that the one place where we can really be vulnerable, the one place where we can be comfortable, the one place where we can truly be ourselves, naked and without shame, is in the presence of Jesus Christ. We must come to understand that even though we have a built-in fear towards our holy God, and even though we can recognize that we are unholy, in Christ, he has open arms, and he says, come, you are welcome here. Hebrews 12, 14 says, pursue holiness without which no one can see the Lord. 
The word pursue is the Greek word dioko, which means to do something with intense effort and with definite purpose or goal. We need to passionately chase after holiness with the intent to apprehend it. What is it that's preventing you from being in the presence of the Lord? Oftentimes, it's simply sin. James 1.22 says, don't just listen to God's word, do what it says. Maybe you know about God, but you don't really know what it's like to be in his presence. Without beholding him, without being in his presence, we cannot be transformed or changed into his likeness, church. 2 Corinthians 3.18 says, and we all with unveiled faces, beholding the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image from one degree of glory to another. For this comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. I'm sure there's people in their room today or who are watching online who have no peace with God and who are saying like Peter did, Jesus, leave. You make me feel uncomfortable. I beg you, if you have been listening to this series on the fear of God, I want you to consider a couple things. Number one, there is no escape ever from the holiness of God. And number two, you're gonna have to deal with it now or at some point in your life. It might as well be today. James 4, 8 says, come close to God and God will come close to you. Wash your hands, you sinners. Purify your hearts, for your loyalty is divided between God and the world. We can only purify our hearts, church, by embracing the fear of the Lord, which drives us to pursue authentic holiness. So I plead with you today to get this settled. Understand there is a freedom that God has provided for you in Christ. He has all he has and all he has done, they're available to you. They are yours as his son and as his daughter. The worst storms of divine wrath that you could imagine will be silenced forever and God will declare his peace over you. It's time to move from sanctification, from being positionally holy as a Christian to transformation, behavioral holiness to have our lives reflect on the outside what God has done and what he wants to do on the inside. Holiness makes you whole. W-H-O-L-E. Wholeness. Wholeness in your mind, wholeness in your body, wholeness in your emotions, wholeness in your relationships comes from holiness. Holiness. Today it's time to experience what Isaiah did when the Lord touched his mouth and said, behold, your guilt is taken away. Today God wants to remove guilt. He wants to remove shame. He wants to reveal who he truly is to you. And who is he? He is set apart. He is holy, 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 holy holy, worthy, worthy, worthy of our praise, of our adoration, of our thanks, of our allegiance. He is holy, holy, holy church. And he is here, here, here for you today. So I'm gonna take...
We need to talk about repentance a little bit more often and coming before a holy God with contrite hearts. I wrote a prayer down that I'm gonna pray in a second, but you don't have to do this. Um, I know it's, we all are sitting in seats or whatever, but I'm gonna lead you in a prayer um, in a second and we're gonna come before the holy God of the universe and we're gonna repent of our sins and we're gonna allow his holiness to change us and to transform us. And I don't know about you, but when I come into the presence of a holy God, I have nothing to stand for. My only response is to get on my knees, maybe even on my face, and say, Jesus, hear me. Today, make me whole, make me clean. Fill me with your holiness. So I'd like everybody in the room to close your eyes. Raise your hands if you want. You can get on your knees. This is just between you and Jesus. But I'm gonna pray. And as I pray, I ask that your heart would be open to Jesus. Whatever he has to say to you today, listen and obey. Because God is holy, he is holy, he is holy. And he loves you, he loves you, he loves you. So dear Heavenly Father, I ask that you would forgive us, Lord, for not pursuing holiness. We have ignored its importance, but now we see that this is to be our pursuit, for it is the doorway to an audience with you. Lord, we repent today of our worldly behaviors and pursuits. Show your sons and daughters today Give them a picture in their mind or in their spirit of the things that they need to cast before you, Lord. God, we ask for your forgiveness. Cleanse us with the blood of Jesus. God, we repent of our casual attitude towards holiness and we ask that you work in us both to will and accomplish your good pleasure. We desire to live outwardly what you've done for us inwardly. We ask that the holy fear would abide within us always and that we may forever live in your presence, Lord. Thank you for forgiving us today. Thank you for cleansing us today. Thank you for sending us today. In church, I want you to say this, God, here am I. Let's say that again. God, here am I. God, here am I. Here is the forgiven me, the cleansed me, the real vulnerable and now purified me. Here am I. 
Thank you, Jesus, for cleansing me, for setting me free. Thank you for being that burning hot coal on my lips that cauterizes my mouth so that I can be a spokesperson for you. Send us into the world, Lord, empowered by your Holy Spirit, not by our might, not by our own power, but empowered by your Holy Spirit to accomplish your purposes, Lord God, in our generation. We thank you for these things, Lord. And in Jesus' name, the strong Son of God, we pray. Amen. Thanks for listening to this message from The Cause Church. For more information about The Cause or for further resources, visit our website, thecause.cc or call 714-255-0930.